It is Free Talk Live. Welcome to the show. You can dial in toll-free, bring up anything you want. Our number here is 855-450-FREE. Like Freedom, that's 855-450-3733. We've also got the Discord on-air call-in line rooms over at discord.lrn.fm. So hop into any one of those, and you can talk about whatever happens to be on your mind. Of course, uh, we always have things that uh, that we can talk about here with you. And uh, in the studio here with you tonight, we have a choking Rich Paul, who is uh, joining us again. Hello, Rich. Hey. And Melanie, who's normally here with us on Monday nights, is also here. Hey. And so I'm Ian. We're going to continue with uh, your calls and thoughts. We've also got in the news, apparently, uh, looks like there's another experiment going on with this uh, universal basic income stuff. So we can talk about that on the way. The toll-free number, if you want to join us here, is 855-450-FREE. That's 855-450-3733. Also, the Discord on-air call-in line rooms again, discord.lrn.fm. The AFP reporting on the El Chapo trial, which uh, I have not actually been following at all. I don't know if either of you two uh, have been, but are you, are you familiar with who El Chapo is? He He's a drug dealer in Mexico, right? Yeah, he was in Mexico. He is now uh, facing trial in, apparently, Manhattan, uh, in New York City. Federal charges... Over the space of nearly three months, a New York jury has heard 54 witnesses deliver dramatic evidence against accused Mexican drug boss Joaquin El Chapo Guzman, former associates, ex-employees, and a one-time mistress, most of them now inmates in American prisons, have drawn a blood-soaked picture of the Sinaloa cartel, of which El Chapo was co-leader for 25 years, confirming that violent TV series like Narcos about notorious drug trafficker Pablo Escobar, have not strayed far from the truth. According to the witnesses, the Sinaloa cartel flooded the United States with cocaine, with the blessings of countless police, military officers, and Mexican officials going all the way up to the president who turned their heads in exchange for bribes worth millions. The prosecution lawyers in New York, having shown a stark spotlight on the powerful cartel, are close to wrapping up their case. The question now is whether the defense can introduce sufficient doubt to save El Chapo from conviction and a likely life sentence. And remember, El Chapo was the guy who had a tunnel that was dug underneath the prison that he was in in Mexico, and the his drug gang, or whoever it was that he, he had do this, they successfully broke him out of prison. Not only did he break out of prison once successfully, he's broken out of prison twice successfully so i mean it's it's a pretty big feat to be able to break out of prison one time in your life but this guy managed to do it two times unfortunately uh, for him they did end up catching up with him and now he's uh, facing trial with the help of christian rodriguez a colombian who was el chapo's communications chief u.s government agents intercepted some 200 conversations between the cartel boss and his associates hired killers and corrupt mexican officials Investigators also intercepted encrypted messages between El Chapo and others sent on Blackberries that the trafficker used to spy on his associates and his mistresses. In one message read to the jury, El Chapo speaks with an associate and former mistress known as La Fiera about setting up dummy corporations in Germany and Ecuador in order to export drugs to Europe, Canada, Australia, and the United States. They also discussed the purchase in Belize of 700 kilograms 
of cocaine. Pedro Flores, Chicago-based trafficker, testified he and his twin brother had received 38 tons of cocaine from El Chapo and from the cartel's other boss, Ismael Zambeda, El Mayo is what he's called, between 2005 and 2008, along with 200 tons, kilos of heroin. So this is it, Rich. They've, they've busted El Chapo. It's over. The war on drugs, they've won. Uh, cocaine, it's never going to come into America. They've busted all of his, of, of his associates, so... Done deal, right? You can manage a business Yippee. from jail. <laughs> <laughs> what are you saying there, Rich? You saying that uh, it's not going to last? It's not going to make a difference? Not going to make a dent? There's always going to be another. If another person doesn't come and deliver cocaine at the current price, the price will rise until somebody does. Mm, yeah, that's true. Uh, because the market is based on demand and supply. So you know, if there's a demand, somebody's going to supply it. Uh yeah. It's uh, inelastic demand, the ultimate in inelastic demand. So it, when you say inelastic, you mean it can't go yeah. down over time? Um, it, it doesn't change with mm-hmm. the price. Elastic the, demand, yeah, the demand uh, changes really more steep. with the price. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I don't know that cocaine Vertical. is that inelastic. That would surprise me. Um, like you're, you would probably do some other drug if you couldn't get cocaine at a reasonable price. And then, like, and then there's still the issue of okay, if cocaine is a hundred dollars a gram, and you just can't come up with that, it doesn't really matter how much you want it. Well, that's why people commit robberies and things like that. Yeah, but you can still only steal so much. Well, you can only steal so much, but that's how. Uh, I mean, that's how addiction is characterized by a vertical uh, uh, demand curve. Um, which means that you'll do whatever you possibly can to do it. Mm-hmm. And if the price goes up, generally you will uh, you will pay more. It's true that you can substitute drugs for drugs, but when somebody is a cocaine addict, you know, you, you can't just give them, uh, you know, some other drug and say, wow, well, they'll, be, yeah, it's they'll gonna, be just as happy. It's not going to satisfy know? them. Uh, exactly. Exactly. Uh, yeah. um, you know, if you take heroin and you're addicted to cocaine, yeah, well, reduce the the discomfort but it doesn't satisfy the craving the uh it's just interesting story because it touches on some of the highlights of this man's career i mean 25 year career as one of the bosses in the sinaloa cartel it's an interesting look into you know the reality of what it's like to be in this drug trade at the gang mm. criminal gang you know level uh pedro flores Again, testified he'd received 38 tons of cocaine along with 200 kilos of heroin between just three years. He said he sold it all in the United States. The cocaine he sold for as much as $800 million and the heroin for $10 million. After surrendering to American agents, the brothers secretly taped dozens of conversations with El Chapo. In one of them, in 2008, Pedro Flores negotiated with El Chapo over the price of 20 kilos of cocaine. His accountant, the brother to El Mayo and the cartel boss in Mexico City, told the jury how El Chapo purchased Colombian cocaine for $3,000 a kilo, then sold it in New York for $35,000 a kilo. Snitches get stitches. A markup of more than 10 times the cost. Now, of course, Rich... Because he has no other expenses, right? He just teleports himself to New York with the cocaine. Doesn't have to spend <laughs> gas, doesn't have to spend security, doesn't have to spend bags, doesn't have to spend storage. Oh yeah. He just has no expenses. So it's just ten percent, hundred percent, whatever. Well, a ten X. Profit. I mean, that's, like no. It's a it's a big profit. I mean there's there's 
you know, obviously there's nothing wrong with making a profit. And the reason why people make profits on the drug trade of, that are ex- seeming excessive uh, is because there are very high risk involved. You know, if, if you're risking prison for the rest of your life, which he is, uh, then he's got to make it worth his while. Now, of course, um, you know, in this case, could it have been done for less? Yeah, of course it could have been done for less. But everybody in the drug trade is trying to make good money. So the the even though there is competition for price at some level, there's still a, a, a solid padding in there for anybody who's who's participating, basically. Yeah, and Milton Friedman points out that the role of the government in this is protection for the cartel. And when I say protection, I don't mean protection from uh, from other threats. I mean protection from competition. Right. If the government keeps the competition out of the way, the prices are going to be high. And that's true if you're talking cocaine or chemotherapy. Because the government does the same thing for the AMA cartel. Right. And there was, uh, I don't think it's in this particular story, but uh, there was, I had heard that they were talking about how they were doing smuggling uh, in some of this court testimony. And they were just saying they're, rather than digging under a wall or digging under the border or doing some sort of ridiculous uh, exercise, they would just load it up in trucks and truck it across. Now, I presume that also means they were paying off border guards. Because if uh, you obviously don't want a whole truck full of cocaine to uh, get busted at the border, so the ideal way to deal with that is to uh, to get some border guards on the take. The toll-free number here, a few more uh, highlights of the El Chapo trial, which apparently is going on. The prosecution ready to rest its case. Coming up. It is Free Talk Live, and you can dial toll-free here. Take control of the airwaves at 855-450-FREE-LIKE-FREEDOM. That's 855-450-3733. We also have the Discord on-air call-in line rooms over at discord.lrn.fm. Just hop into any one of those. We'll get you on the air. We're talking about uh, El Chapo. He is facing... Apparently, quite a bit of time in prison. I suspect the rest of his life, because he's not a young man. Uh, El Chapo is currently... Actually, I don't know if they even say it in this article. I don't know how old he is, but he ain't, he's not a young man. Uh, anyway, he's uh, facing trial in New York, and it's been going on for nearly three months. And honestly, I I have not been following this at all. I just recently heard that it was happening uh, we we followed the El Chapo case when he was released from prison, not by the prison's choice, but because somebody tunneled underneath it and broke him out. Well, that's out. not being released from prison. That's yeah, true. escaping <laughs> from prison. Anyway, re- amazing story. Uh, you know, I, I'm sure this guy is an absolute thug criminal um, because, you know, while I want to see the war on drugs end and I want to see drugs legalized, I want to see people being able to purchase any kind of uh, you know product that they want to and put it in their body if that's what they choose to do. I do understand that in order to be the head of a cartel, you probably have to be a pretty brutal kind of dude. Well, when Mexico sends people to cartel school, they don't send their best. <laughs> <laughs> so you can bring up whatever you want here if you want to jump in on the discussion about prohibition and uh, you know some of the things that it creates which one of the things prohibition creates besides police corruption is drug thugs you know these criminal gang members who are in some cases shooting up innocents in the streets usually on accident but as uh you know kind of uh the side effect if you will of uh, fighting out over territory and, and things like that uh, so it's incredibly you know, dangerous business to get into. And it doesn't have to be that way if they would just 
legalize it because you don't see Pfizer uh, having shootouts with Merck. You know, they're not they're not doing that. They're just competing openly in a marketplace where they don't have to fight viciously and brutally over territory. Since repeal of prohibition, there hasn't been a single incident where an executive at Bacardi has had an executive at Seagram's whack. Yeah, exactly. They just don't do it. They sue each other like civilized people. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, by the way, speaking of Mexico, Anarchapulco is just around the corner. It's going to be kicking off in just over two weeks from now. And uh, it's happening February 14th through the 17th in beautiful Acapulco, Mexico. Ron Paul is going to be there. He'll be the keynote speaker yet again. Last year, it was a sold-out, standing-room-only crowd. There's a good chance it's going to sell out this year as well. If you've been thinking about getting your tickets, it's my understanding you still can. So go to anarchapulco.com and grab your tickets there. Uh, There weren't very many hotel rooms left when we last heard about it. But you might still be able to get in there because they've actually... Because this event has grown so much, they've actually reserved the entire hotel. So the entire resort is going to be for Anarchapulco uh, participants. So if you see somebody there, they're either working for the hotel or they are there for Anarchapulco. It's it's turned or into, they're feds. It's turned well. There's a good chance of that. <laughs> well, the feds are there for Anarchapulco. Yeah. So. True. True. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Wherever there's a gathering of uh, you know purported anarchists, there's a good chance some federal agent or more than one of them will likely be present. So you know, keep that in mind. Yeah. Um, that's just the reality. I mean, besides Cantwell, yeah, uh, he's not going. He's <laughs> <laughs> not a fed either. Well, I thought he was. Wasn't he? He, he uh, admitted. Was, didn't he become an informant? Yeah, he at admitted some point? to informing on on people in his own new movement that he's in. You you remember that, right? I think we're going to disagree on the nature of that conclusion. Okay. Well, I mean, he wrote an article explaining he, that he, he was has a Fed informant. Titles. Everyone knows he has clickbait titles. Okay. Um. What? So, what do you want to say about it? Because. I mean, it seemed like he was an informant. I read the article. I'm I'm pretty sure I know what, what went on. I mean, well, an informant to me is somebody who's like, hey, FBI, in exchange for either a plea deal or some money, I will go and spy on these people and inform back to you. Well, in this case, that's not what he did. In this case, he... Well, that's not an informant. Then. Well, he What was informed. your impression of what Cantwell did? Just so we're on the same page. If you have an agreement with someone up front... That these are the terms of what is going to be released if people, if something goes down, I can't call that anything negative because you that agree to that. I'm not sure I understood what you just said. So what? if me and you have an agreement, yeah. we're going to deal drugs, but if we get caught, you're going to flip on me. Okay. Can't we always deal it? We get, no. <laughs> <laughs> and then okay. we get caught and then you flip on me. That's part of the agreement you're saying? Yeah. What's that have to do with Cantwell's situation? Because my understanding was, and I'm not like saying... Like, he filmed a room of people who agreed to be filmed knowing that, like, if anybody gets busted, we're going to release this to prove we're not doing anything illegal. No, that wasn't the that wasn't it at all. He went to the feds because he wanted to protect his own butt, which I don't, you know, mm. I don't blame him for it. And he was at the very least honest about it. So he's not an, he's not an informant in your typical way in that he was trying to hide the fact uh, that he was an informant, or you know, trying to set somebody up. Um, 
what he's gone to the feds over, as I understand it, is reporting these people in this. He's part of, for those that don't know, we're talking about Chris Cantwell. He's a former host on Free Talk Live. We had to kick him off the show because it turned out he ended up becoming a racist. Since then, he's become even more racist and has gotten in with these white nationalist people. He went to that uh, Charlottesville thing a couple of years ago in, in uh, Virginia. And so part of that was communicating for him was communicating to the feds essentially like illegal things that people were trying to rope him into that he didn't want to be roped into and he came right out and and admitted it so he's not an informant in the traditional way that you would think of an informant but he certainly did inform on his so-called compatriots to the federal government. Now, some of his compatriots could have been themselves been uh, agents provocateur trying to provoke Cantwell into doing some sort of violent act. Also, right? like announcing that you're a Fed is a really good way to, well, it's a really good way to do a lot of things, but it's a really good way to make yourself compromised in the sense that now I really kind of can't narc on anybody. And I think you did something like this at um, one point. Well, the, I mean, the reason that I announced that, it exactly. when they tried that, but... to uh, when they tried to turn me and make me become an become an informant, mm-hmm. I did make the announcement that they tried to make me become an informant right. precisely because that destroyed my value to them as an informant, sure. and that way they didn't like go after my girlfriend and try to use her to pressure me because there was nothing left I could do for them. Um. But I don't know the 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 thing that I remember about Cantwell's article, and I wish I'd reread it before the uh, the show. I seem to remember him uh, um, snitching out Antifa people. Um, yep, and, and he possibly attacked raccoons. him. That's not snitching. Um. Well, if, no. If someone physically attacks you and you call the cops, that's not snitching. We could debate suddenly, the merits of if, that, but that's no, not no, snitching. That that's not true. If if you're in the life, if you're part of it, you know, if if you're a gangster and some other gangster comes after you, you don't call the police. Or yeah, that is generally. Uh, considered snitching. You can okay, shoot him, but in, like, that's honorable. Combat. Being a snitch is not honorable. So I tend to agree that being a snitch is not honorable. However, I make an, I make a carve out for violence. So mm-hmm. if you see somebody commit a murder or something like that, it's not snitching to you know give some information over on an actual violent uh, person. Let's talk. About I it more agree. If up. you're a civilian, more on the way here in moments. This is Free Talk Live. Bitcoin.com is delighted to announce their latest partnership with the gift card specialist at eGifter. With many of the world's leading brands on their roster, it is now easier than ever to get the gift cards of your favorite brands with Bitcoin Cash. To get started, just follow these simple steps. Visit giftcards.bitcoin.com, pick the gift card you want, follow the instructions on your screen, and make your payment using your Bitcoin Cash wallet. Sit tight and your gift card will be delivered to you as soon as it's ready. That's giftcards.bitcoin.com. Hey, it's Free Talk Live. Dial in toll-free to join us here. Our number is 855-450-FREE. That's 855-450-3733. We do have the Discord on-air call-in-line rooms over at discord.lrn.fm. It's Ian, Melanie, and Rich here in the studio tonight. And I don't know if I mentioned this before, but I, I think 
I, got, well, I think we got distracted with the Anarchapulco discussion, and I didn't tell you to go to anarchapulco.com and use code FTL to get a discount on your tickets. So that's kind of important information. Anarchapulco.com, code FTL, February 14th through the 17th. It's coming up fast, and Mark and I are going to be broadcasting from the event. So we'll look forward to seeing you there. Once again, it's anarchapulco.com, code FTL. We've been talking about the El Chapo trial. Just some, uh, you know, some highlights here from a fairly brief article, which is, you know, honestly, it's way too brief. It's probably not the best uh, piece about it from the AFP, focusing on a lot of the money, the the markup. Ten times he would buy a kilo of cocaine for three thousand dollars and then flip it. Uh, so he'd buy it in Colombia and then flip it in New York for thirty five thousand dollars per kilo so you're welcome to comment on that if you want we also ended up talking about being an informant and snitching and rich you were saying that uh, you kind of agreed with me where if you witness somebody commit a violent act a rape or a murder or something like that 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 to me i don't consider that to be snitching at all that you're tr- you're actually working to put away somebody who is a harm to, snitching uh, kind of implies you're not minding well, your own business yeah it's snitching is where in my opinion when you're mm-hmm. snitching on somebody who's doing someone who's doing something that's not harmful to others meaning selling drugs mm-hmm. or something else like that from an ancap point of view i would say that's the same from, from anarcho capitalist uh yeah from an anarcho capitalist point of view i would say that that's probably true, but generally, I mean, gangsters don't expect the little old lady next door not to call the police mm-hmm. if she's in danger. But the, uh, and there are times that they do use the police against against each other, but it's definitely not, it's considered dirty pool in, in that. Sure, if you're talking about gang um, versus gang, then I see what you're yeah, saying Yeah, when there. it's gang versus gang, murder is part of the game, that's part of the ethic, and it's part of the snitching inhibition. Well, plus, if you bring in the police as a gang member, then they're likely going to bring you up on charges anyway for something. So, it's against your interest, period, to involve the police from that perspective. Um, gen- Generally true, but against your eth- your your interest, but also unethical by, sure. by that. I'll agree um, with you there. Well, yeah, so, but I don't also don't know if I'm going to adopt gang ethics any more than I'm going to adopt. Well, no, state he's ethics. only talking about he's talking about you're only a snitch when it's murder if you're doing it from within a gang. If you are one gang member snitching on another gang member, you're you're supposed to settle it outside of the. But system, yeah, I can so, understand yeah. the argument there. Whereas, okay, well, if we're in the business of killing each other, we're not going to call the cops because we're killing each other. That at least makes logical sense. That's the idea. Let's go to Matthew. Mm. He's in Louisiana. Matthew, you're listening online via the TuneIn app. Go ahead. Yeah, so it's interesting that Richard bring that up because we had a sheriff down here, and Melanie may remember hearing about him, called Harry Lee. And he was considered by many people uh, to be one of the most successful sheriffs in Jefferson Parish history. He kept the peace. And there's always been this rumor of some kind of a corruption, and I think I know what it was. Because I Hmm. saw him hanging around with basically kind of a not really notorious, but known mid-level drug distributor. Uh, I worked for a guy in his restaurant, Hmm. very profitable restaurant. Uh, And... He basically had a stable of drug dealers, from the street dealers to the 
Who did? The sheriff had a stable of them or the guy you worked with? The, the sheriff. Okay. Uh, the guy I worked with, worked for, was one of the guys in his stable. Mm-hmm. And the idea was, yeah, y'all can ply your trade, keep it under control, don't do any of the violence uh, over territory stuff. You see somebody coming into your territory, call me, I'll handle it. Yep. And he did. And guess what? Jefferson Parish had an amazingly low crime rate. Hmm. Do you recall this story at all? I wasn't in the area when he was in office. I was probably a little bit too young for him. Mm -hmm. I believe that. So where'd this all go, Matthew? Well, he died in office. Oh, okay. Uh, So he got away with it. Yeah, the guy who replaced him had no idea. What was going on? So he just started busting drug dealers left and right, or irrespective of how Ooh. dangerous they actually were. And mm-hmm. we wound up, you know, our, we're still better off than Orleans Parish, but that's not saying much. Mm. <laughs> so, wow. they, it's just like to get rid of one drug dealer, another one lines up, take his place. So like true. I understand the, guy, uh, the people who replaced El Chapo. Make El Chapo look like a uh, candidate for the Nobel Peace Prize. Really? <laughs> what have you heard about yeah. them? Oh, well, they do things like, you know, they had people leave them uh, in front of newspaper offices. They're trying to take over a town uh, called Nuevo Laredo. Uh, this is from uh, Breitbart News. Mm-hmm. They assaulted the uh, an American consulate with a grenade. Wow. And... Uh, Supposedly automatic weapons. I don't know if they used semi-automatic weapons and just pulled the trigger real fast. Uh, but they got, I'm, I'm questioning that because guns are illegal in Mexico unless you buy them from the state-approved gun store. So, well, yeah, wait, what cocaine is illegal that? too, and they had yeah. a lot of that. Cartels have their ways of getting <laughs> guns. They don't go through. Possible whenever you pass a law, whenever you pass it against this. Vanishes it, yeah. doesn't it? No. <laughs> thanks, Matthew. For the, thanks for the call tonight. I appreciate hearing from you. I, I wonder if they're uh, going after Obama's record, if they're going for the Nobel Peace Prize. Well, Obama has killed more chi- more uh, children than, than all other, other Nobel, uh, Nobel Peace Prizes. Right. Nobel Peace Prize winners combined. You know, since he brought up a corrupt sheriff, I've got a uh, related story here that's been sitting in my show prep for a few weeks out of Mississippi. Webster County's highest law enforcement official has been arrested by state investigators last month and charged with a long list of felonies, ranging from tampering with evidence to sexual contact with an inmate. This is County Sheriff Timothy Seth Mitchell, age 53, in a press release on Wednesday morning. Mississippi's Department of Public Safety and the Bureau of Investigation announced that Timothy Seth Mitchell, sheriff, was charged with two counts of embezzlement. Two counts of trafficking in stolen firearms. One count of attempting sex and or sexual acts with an inmate. One count of tampering with physical evidence. Three counts of retaliation against a witness. One count of permitting possession and or sale of controlled substances in jail. And two counts of furnishing an inmate with weapons, cell phone, and narcotics. Now, it says attempting sex with an, with an inmate. Was he pushing rope? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, attempting sex sounds kind of rapey. Mm. Yeah. I mean, so this guy is uh, real bad. At the time of arrest, the Eupora U- 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 native was serving his second term 
as county sheriff. If convicted, he's facing a minimum of nine years and a maximum of 152 years with fines up to $100,000 for the 12 felony counts. So yet another example of another corrupt cop um, who happens to get busted. He must have crossed the wrong person and triggered this investigation because you have to wonder how many of these sheriffs they're just looking the other way on. You know, how many of them they're aware of of what they're doing? Because within the department, there has to be some sort of institutional knowledge of this, right? I mean, the idea that the sheriff could keep things hush-hush across his entire department seems just so unbelievable to me. Well, I mean, they would have to know all the way down to the rank and file what they're not supposed to see. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and that's uh, that is interesting. What do you do when you're a police officer and you tell and, you know the, and your uh, supervisors say, "Don't see this"? Well, I've never I heard mean, of one coming forward. Well, right, because you don't want to get killed by them. You don't see that, <laughs> I guess, or whatever it is that they might do to you or your family. Right? Uh, it's not worth it. The toll-free number here is 855-450-FREE. we got more on corruption, drug gangs. Your calls and thoughts welcome. It's Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live. Dial toll-free. Bring up whatever you want. Our number here, 855-450-FREE. Like freedom. That's 855-450-3733. We've also got the Discord on-air call-in line room, so jump into one of those if you want to get on the air with us and sound almost like you're sitting here in the studio with me, Ian. Melanie. Rich Paul. And, of course, uh, again, toll-free number 855-450-FREE. We were talking about El Chapo. Uh, there's kind of a brief overview piece of, of what has been a three-month-long trial, apparently, according to the AFP. For one of the most uh, notorious drug gangsters on the planet, lots of people have heard of Pablo Escobar. Well, this is you know kind of the next Pablo Escobar, and he's currently facing uh, many felony charges. It doesn't say here in this piece how many years in prison he's facing, but I'm going to guess it's the rest of his life uh, because he is uh, not a nice man and uh, ran the uh, helped helped to run the Sinaloa cartel in Mexico for 25 years he was the co-leader of that cartel he's been testified against by what appear to be many former associates uh who are now inmates in American prisons so they all Yeah that went was down. not smart y'all What do you mean <laughs> I would not testify against him you, well, they're okay. You're you're suggesting he's gonna cu- you're, he's gonna get to them in the prison. I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to be him. He has people, you know. Right, right. He's going to have his people get to them in in the prison. Is what you're saying? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it can happen. Yeah, it it's happen. probable at this point. I mean, he has this huge empire. Right, and as you pointed out, you can run some of this business from inside a prison. You know, you just have to either use code words on the phone or get a cell phone smuggled to you by a I mean, corrupt or guard. maybe even not, because as a prison guard, just like a regular prison guard who's maybe middle class at mm-hmm. best, making $15 an hour, if you're lucky, might be closer to 10 or 5 mm. You go right on this guy? I'm not. No, but are you going to okay. help him? Are you going to help him? Are you going to smuggle a phone to him? If he tells me to bring him a phone, I think he's getting a phone. <laughs> like... <laughs> Uh, according to witnesses, uh, they're talking about some of the large number of uh, pounds, you know, hundreds and hundreds of kilograms 
of heroin and uh, cocaine and other things uh, brought over just a period of a few years uh, to America. After surrendering to American agents, the uh, brothers, he had a couple brothers he was working with, secretly taped dozens of conversations with El Chapo. So they got busted, mm-hmm. and then the, the feds flipped them on mm-hmm. El Chapo, and they kept acting as though they hadn't been busted and recorded a bunch of conversations uh, let's see here. Going on, it says that his pilot and business manager, Miguel Angel Gordo Martinez, testified that the cartel boss would sometimes receive as many as three cash-filled airplanes from the United States on a single day. Each plane carried 8 to $10 million. He also wow. told El Chapo, or told how El Chapo worked with Colombian suppliers to finance deliveries of up to 14 tons of cocaine, transported by boat to international waters off of Mexico, where Colombian crews would transfer the drug to El Chapo's employees. Martinez estimated that from 1990 to 1993, El Chapo thus imported 25 to 30 tons of cocaine into Mexico each year. So just thinking about you know the, the amount of money that this guy was pulling in, 8 to $10 million loaded in a plane getting up to three of these planes in one day. You know, you always have to wonder, and of course they've addressed some of this in some of the movies about drug smuggling. Remember the one with uh, Johnny Depp, uh, where he was the, the air, airline marijuana smuggler or whatever it was. I forget the, I forget the dude's name. Uh, I think the, the oh, damn it, now I'm spacing on the movie's name as well. It was like a one-name it was a one-name movie with uh, with Johnny Depp in it. I'm sure somebody's going to be shouting it in uh, the chat room over at discord.lrn.fm. But um, anyway, in in that movie, you know, the, one of the problems is dealing with all the cash, dealing mm. with uh, with all of the money. They address this in the uh, the television program Breaking Bad as well, where he just starts mm. making so much money. Storing the money becomes a challenge. It becomes a real problem. And they didn't have cryptocurrency. Yeah, you're right. Uh, that's correct. They didn't have cryptocurrency. But even so, if you're getting eight to ten million dollars in cash, it's not easy to just flip that into crypto. Yeah, either. you're not gonna feed True. that through an ATM. And if you try to feed <laughs> it through Coinbase, they're gonna not narc on you. Yeah, so. yeah, exactly. So you can't go through any kind of official channels uh, in those cases. But you're right. Oh, blow. Thank you, Baraka sixty six. That was the name of the movie with uh, with Johnny Depp. Was blow. And uh, so, yeah, what do you do with all this money? And, of course, once you start getting into the millions of dollars, into the you know, $10 million income in one day, you talk, you talk about a month? I mean, who knows what kind of money we're talking about here with this guy, but it's likely hundreds of millions, if not billions uh, of dollars coming in. You know, you have to ask yourself, at what point, why doesn't somebody like that just retire is it because you can't retire is it because you know i think i would say that's certainly part of it i mean once you've got that money you need to have the security and you need to keep Mm -hmm. paying for the security so uh you know i i I think that is part of it where if these guys uh retired they would they would have some serious issues Mm -hmm. you know also i mean I would imagine from their point of view, they're having a lot of fun. Sure. I mean, you can do things as a gangster that you just can't Yeah, that might person. be true yeah. when you're 20, 30, maybe 40. I think that starts to be less true when you're 60, 70. Well, I mean, if you're talking about like buying know. buying women in fast cars, you can still do that at 60 and 70. Right, but you have to, like running from the cops at that age. Like, I mean, running from the cops at well, any age is not fun, but yeah. like... 
I mean, at some point, you can't run. I mean, sure. I mean, somebody like that isn't doing a whole lot of running. He's just doing the ordering. He's ordering his lieutenants and his, you know, foot soldiers to go and do the the work. Yeah, but you still mm. have to. Well, when you're set escaping prison, to... you have to do the running yourself. That's true. <laughs> well, in that case, they actually, I think they said that they had a uh, like a motorbike for him. So the, so they dug the they dug the tunnel underneath the prison, and when he got out. Uh, he and was in the tunnel. There was a, uh, I believe, there was some sort of transportation there. No, oh, uh, so, so well, it wasn't a uh, motorized wheelchair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he told uh, how. Let's see. So again, they keep just running through some of these numbers here with uh, tons and tons and uh, hundreds of pounds of cocaine and such. Isaias Valdez Rios, described as a hired killer for El Chapo, testified he saw the drug king torture and execute three rival drug traffickers, burying one of them alive. Two others had bones broken before being killed. Their bodies were burned. While El Chapo has not been directly accused of murder, the hired killer's testimony, the bloodiest and most macabre heard in the case so far, could help seal his fate. Other witnesses said they had seen El Chapo order kidnappings and killings of rivals or of police who refused to accept bribes. They said El Chapo had a permanent security guard of perhaps, here you go, Chris, or, uh, rich 100 security agents so that's that's how many people he was paying to protect him yeah armed with pistols automatic arms bazookas grenades and rocket launchers according to the story Hmm. so i mean this is one bad mofo and now he's facing i don't know how many years in prison but uh once again, you know, talking about the war on drugs and how it needs to absolutely end because you can put El Chapo behind bars, but he's got people and they've got people. And even though they've busted, you know, what sounds like over a dozen people, all these people testifying against him were busted before they busted El Chapo. So they've definitely, you know, done some damage to this particular cartel. But as you pointed out earlier, Rich, that's just going to help the other cartel. You take out the Sinaloas. Uh, what's the other one? The Zetas, I think, is uh, is another name down south. Yeah, and then there are the hundred drug cartels you've never heard of yet. Right, that would love to rise to the top. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's just like the, the big banks during the bailouts. They said, oh, no, we can't let the big banks go bankrupt. That would be disaster for the system. Well, no, medium-sized banks will become big banks because sure. they'll start making more money. The money's got to go somewhere. The money's got to go somewhere. Somebody's got to provide the services. Yeah, and the same thing is true in this uh, this war on drugs. I mean, even Trump acknowledged it last year when he talked about the reason why he didn't want the the wall to actually be a wall, and that he wanted it to be a fence so mm-hmm. you could see through it. The reason he gave was because we don't want anybody getting hit by a sixty pound brick of drugs that's being chucked across in a you know a, a catapult. So the idea was make the make the wall see through, essentially a fence. So mm-hmm. people wouldn't get hit by drugs flying over the wall. So Trump seems to have some awareness of you know the futility of the war on drugs, even though he he is uh, obviously continuing to prosecute it mm-hmm. the whole time. I do, I don't understand that that double think. Yeah. Well, he's got to make his police buddies happy mm. for whatever reason. He's uh, even though at the same time he also froze the government's funding for a record number of weeks, five weeks. And that affected he just the wanted entire... To, he just wanted to break a record. It, I think he did. Yeah. It affected the entire Department of Justice, though. So the FBI, uh, all these policing agencies, Department of Prisons, or Bureau of Prisons, they all went without pay for five weeks. More coming up. 
Smart Cash is a peer-to-peer digital currency that is fast, secure, and easy to use. Smart Cash is building a foundation that can support daily transactions for people everywhere. One feature that sets Smart Cash apart is the Smart Hive governance model and how the community can vote to fund the best projects with block rewards stored in the Smart Hive project treasury. Unlike other cryptocurrencies with voting systems, Smart Cash allows everyone to participate. One smart equals one vote. Learn more at smartcash.cc. It's Free Talk Live. Dial toll-free and take control of the airwaves. You can bring up anything that you want. Our number here is 855-450-FREE. That's 855-450-3733. We do have the Discord on-air call-in line rooms over at discord.lrn.fm. In the studio tonight, it's Ian. Melanie. Rich Paul. We were talking about uh, El Chapo and kind of just a brief overview that went over some of the numbers in the case. There's other stories like this one here from the New York Times. Apparently, the prosecution has rested uh, in the El Chapo case as of today after calling 56 witnesses uh, against him over three months of hearings and testimony. Can you imagine how awful it must be to be on this jury? You've been taken away from your life for three months, whatever it was that you did as a career. Your bills Mm. are three months late. You're probably fired. Mm. Yeah, I guess they probably don't pay you very much, do they? They pay you. They say they pay you. They pay you like $10 a day or something dumb. Yeah. How the hell are you supposed to deal with that? Oh, because usually you're only in there for like two days. Yeah. In this case, three months of these people's lives has been spent. And you're uh, probably sequestered in a case like that. Yeah, because mm-hmm. there's risks to the jury. Which right? means that you're locked in a hotel room. They take away your cell phone. They cut yep. off the internet. And Can't you're not read allowed the to newspaper. talk to anybody. Yep. Awful. So I you're mean, locked in a hotel in room with no internet and no TV. Yeah. You're in prison. Yeah. It's worse than some prisons in that case. Because mm. in some prisons, you can actually have a television. Yeah, no. you get phone calls in prison. You can have a you can have a newspaper. You can even have a cell phone if you can fit it in your butt. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, just a little bit more here on El Chapo, one of the most, uh, I guess, infamous of drug kingpins. And then also on the way here tonight, of course, you can bring up anything that you want. The toll free number here is eight fifty five four fifty free. That's eight five five. Four five zero three seven three three. We've got uh, all kinds of stuff. I know, Rich, you wanted to talk about the yellow vesters out in France, and so I've got a piece about them doing some really interesting things to speeding cameras uh, in France. In fact, a large percentage of the country's speeding cameras. But uh, I, again, from this New York Times piece, just to kind of give you a different perspective on the trial. It says that it was something like a Dickens novel. Mr. Guzman, which is El Chapo's last name, was confronted by an endless stream of figures from his past. His chief Colombian cocaine supplier, his top American distributor, the son of his partner and heir apparent to his empire, one of his personal secretaries, the five foot four, twenty something IT expert who built his encrypted cell phone network and the much younger mistress with whom he escaped from the Mexican Marines naked through a drug or through a tunnel dug beneath a bathtub in his safe house. 
As if that weren't enough, prosecutors also called to the stand several law enforcement and forensic experts, among them an Ecuadorian prosecutor, members of the Colombian National Police, a military officer from the Dominican Republic, and various agents from the FBI, DEA, and Homeland Security Investigations. There was a fourth-generation handwriting analyst whose great-grandfather had worked on the Charles Lindbergh baby kidnapping case. This sounds like an expensive trial. They spent, according Mm. to this article, over a decade investigating this guy. And they didn't even put his CIA handlers on the stand. That would have been a whole other set. The combined testimony of the witnesses was devastating. They described how for nearly 30 years, Guzman moved tons of drugs from Central America to Mexico, then to the United States and Canada, through a mind-boggling variety of methods, including speedboats, tuna fishing boats, Carbon fiber airplanes designed to evade radar, helicopters, passenger cars, cargo trains, semi-submersible submarines, tractor trailers packed with cans of jalapenos, and yet another tunnel. What do you do with a submarine that's only semi-submersible? You can submer- you, you can, can submerge it halfway. I'm not. I don't I, know. That's a good yeah, question. Yeah, I I don't think I'd want a semi-submersible <laughs> submarine. If what I'm going to get mean? in a submarine, I want it to be fully, fully, fully completely yeah. submersible. What does that mean? It's certified like a... to high depth or low depth. I'm Any not depth. sure how you're supposed, but certified <laughs> yeah. to a lot of depth, yeah. a lot of pressure. Does that mean it's like a boat and it's only partly underwater? Or does that know. mean you can't go all the way that you could? down as you could go with a regular submarine it's not clear because i feel like the second one makes more sense it seems like it but then why would they call it semi-submersible because if it's submersible like rich is saying like it would go completely underwater right the witnesses also accused the crime lord of paying off almost every level of the mexican police military and political establishment including an alleged 100 million dollar bribe to one of the country's former presidents enrique peña nieto Mr. Guzman was said to have ordered the deaths of dozens of his rivals, enemies, and informants, and to have armed himself with a gold-plated AK-47. That you got the government on payroll. Nice. What do you got to worry about your informants for? A camouflage-patterned mm. M16 and at least three diamond-encrusted pistols, one with his initials on the handle. I wish people would quit doing that. Like, a gun is not for decoration. <laughs> if you've it. got a billion dollars, then yes, it is. But why? Like, you still have, Because like, you can. Why not? <laughs> because it's going to mess up the function of a gun. Either Having you're diamonds grabbing on it? stabby diamonds, <laughs> or you have diamonds getting stuck in your slide. <laughs> he personally killed, they say, at least three people. And ordered his men to bury one of them alive and dispose of the other two bodies in a bonfire. Beyond helping prosecutors substantiate the 11 counts in Mr. Guzman's indictment, witnesses painted a complicated portrait of the man himself. They told jurors how he rose from being a poor campesino in the village of La Tuna in the Sierra Madre Mountains to become a billionaire narco lord with a $10 million beach house, a fleet of private jets, a yacht that he named for himself, and a personal zoo. By the end of the government's case, jurors had heard stories about Guzman's temper, his grace under pressure, bottomless libido, workaholic nature, and the love of the limelight and obsession with spying on everyone around him. They learned about his failed van... It's not an obsession. That's good security. Well, right, because Hmm. you never know when your right-hand man is going to turn against you. It's not paranoia when they're really out to get you. Exactly. They learned about his failed vanity movie project and even got to see a video of his underwear drawer. <laughs> Why? Why do we need that? <laughs> I don't know. Prosecutors Unnecessary. Were, prosecutors were able to assemble all of this 
because many have been working on the Guzman case for... As prosecutors like taking pictures of weird stuff. ...for a decade or more. Well before the kingpin was extradited from Mexico two years ago to stand trial in New York, he was already facing six separate indictments filed in six separate federal judicial districts. As one of the world's biggest drug traffickers, Guzman presented a unique target and, with some notable exceptions, building one of the world's biggest drug trafficking cases against him required a unique level of collaboration. Then they go on to rattle off the various government agencies that uh, worked on this particular case. So just absolutely... uh, you know, interesting case. He's, he has, by the way, informed the judge that he will not be taking the stand. So the, the prosecution has rested as of today. Defense will begin and talk about a tough, uh, tough client to defend in this mm. case. This is going to be uh, would be very interesting to watch this particular case. In fact, there was another story about uh, apparently he's got an there's an actor who portrays him in some series called Narcos, which I'm not familiar with. It's a good series. I like yeah. it. So is it so it's based on reality is the idea? Um yeah, the part I saw was season 1 which goes off uh which talks about uh Escobar. Mhm. Um the uh I don't know if you've seen the meme that they use of the guy sitting all alone on a swing set. Uh that's that's a picture from of Escobar from Narcos. No, I didn't know that. Okay. Um and then uh, so I guess the actor who portrays El Chapo in that series came to his trial uh, mm-hmm. today, and apparently El Chapo was happy about it. He like waved at him and was was happy to see that that the actor who portrays him had come out to, to watch the trial. Mm-hmm. So anyway, you want to comment? You're welcome to join us. Uh, the toll free number here is eight fifty five four fifty free. Let's go to uh, Naughty Goy. Oh boy, this I'm sure is not going to be good. Actually, I'm going to just put you back on hold because we don't have enough time. I don't like the sound of that. Have, we don't have enough time. I got to make sure that our our dump machine is uh, is built up here, and uh, so we're going to make sure that we do that here coming up in a moment. Uh, we've been rich since it's been a while since you've been on the show. We've had an issue with certain types of people infiltrating the phones here on Free Talk Live and then saying things they're not supposed to say on the radio. So we'll be prepared for this caller coming up here uh, in moments. What types of people were they? The types uh, of people that would have screen names like that, and also yeah. the types of people who are 15 and think yeah. it's cute to say bad words. More coming up. It's Free Talk Live. Mm. It is Free Talk Live. You're invited to join us here. The toll-free number, 855-450-FREE. That's 855-450-3733. We've got the Discord on air call in line rooms over at discord.lrn.fm. And you can join us online over at freetalklive.com. If you are an individual who rejects the initiation of force and agrees to abide by the ethics of the non aggression principle, then you qualify to use liberty.menu. It is a directory of liberty minded businesses as well as digital content creators and events. In fact, you can rate and review the various listings there. There's even a bit of a social networking aspect, so you can connect and share with others. If you're a libertarian, a voluntarist, an anarchist, whatever you are, as long as you reject the initiation of force, you are welcome over at liberty.menu. You can put up on the menu whatever it is that you do, whatever business you're involved in, more than one of them, that's fine. It's free to do that. So unless you want to keep it a secret that you're a liberty-friendly business, 
And there may be reasons that you want to keep it a secret. If you want people to know and you want other libertarians to possibly bring you some new business, then get up there over at liberty.menu. Once again, that's liberty.menu. And use code FTL. You can get a free or a special uh, listener badge or a special badge to identify you as a Free Talk Live listener at liberty.menu. Ian, Melanie, and Rich in the studio here tonight. And what do you know, that caller that uh, was trying to call in before the break with the potentially offensive uh, handle uh, when we had the board operator ask for their phone number, they didn't want to give up their number. So <laughs> naughty, we, naughty boy. We have a uh, we have a system to deal with uh, callers who want to put our radio stations in jeopardy. Because look, Free Talk Live is an open phone show. We will allow you to call in about virtually anything you want to talk about, but it does have to be within FCC guidelines. However. There is something we've been doing for a um, couple months now. It was since late November, I think. So, yeah, two months. We've been doing Free Talk Live after shows that are only available on the Twitch platform over at twitch.lrn.fm. Now, Rich, I don't know if you're familiar with, with Twitch. It's been a while since we've had you in here. Uh, but at some point last year, we added in this video streaming network. Uh, mm-hmm. So Amazon purchased Twitch a few years ago. They're a competitor to YouTube, but they focus on only like 90% of their stuff is video games. So people playing games. Yeah, I always associate video. Twitch with like video games and cleavage. Yeah, that we'll see that on there. In fact, if you have cleavage and you can play video games, or even if you can't play them that well, <laughs> if you have cleavage, you will probably do fairly well on Twitch if you, you know. Yeah, I'm, start your I'm own channel. down to 180 pounds. No more cleavage. So uh, you down you you lost some weight. Oh yeah, congratulations. Yeah, 240 to 180. Wow, that's awesome. Uh, so anyway, as I was explaining, over on Twitch we have this. After show that we do, and I think probably this week we'll do a Wednesday after show. Normally we do it on Tuesday nights, but I think this week we'll do it Wednesday. Um, So we just kind of do it whenever we feel like it, and we've kind of been doing once a week typically. And so for those of you that want to really say the F word uh, on on the air with us, you can do it on our after show. You can do it. We call it Freer Talk Live, and uh, it's not the same thing at all as the radio show because like the radio show, we've got breaks. The breaks are, you know, specific times. We've got radio stations. We've got to protect their licenses. So there's just certain things that you can't say on the radio. But most of the things you can't say on the radio, you can say on Twitch. So if you really want to get on with something that's particularly offensive, then the Twitch only after show would be the, the right time and the right place to do that. The FCC is unconstitutional. I just got to slip that in. I totally agree with you. I am no fan of the FCC. I uh, I love pirate radio. I love uh, the idea of broadcasting without asking for permission. I've always been a huge fan uh, of those people who have the, uh, the gumption, uh, the huevos, to actually put a transmitter on the air and risk a raid, mm-hmm. risk having their home, like, a, like being treated like a drug dealer, having their house raided by the police. And the FCC, yeah. FBI, local cops. It's usually a multi-jurisdictional task force that's going to come in and raid your house. I thought they just sent you a letter these days and told you to cut it out. No, that's usually how they – that's what they start okay. with. They start with a threatening letter. But if you mm. ignore the threatening letter and then you ignore the subsequent threatening letter, at some point they will come in with men with guns. Yeah, most of the mm. alphabets are going to start with letters. Yeah. And usually the letter works. You know, The letter allows the person to know, hey – we caught you better either show the proof that you're legally broadcasting or shut it down. And yeah. of course, most of them will, will shut it down when given the opportunity, but it I does, still want to see a broadcast trailer. 
that you could move a, move around and place. Yeah, whenever locations. you get a letter, just move it to another house. That's or, a great. The idea. letter wouldn't even go to you; it would go to the somebody owner. who owns property in the neighborhood where you're parked. I guess maybe. I you know that would become more um, possible the more liberty friendly property owners we get. Because if you only have a handful of liberty-friendly property owners, you only have a, a few options as mm. far as where you can park that trailer. Because you don't want to park it somewhere where it's not authorized. Otherwise, it'll get towed. Right. right. So. Well, I mean, the easiest thing to do is park it. Um, like if you're in Manchester, just park it in city parking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So battery operated, basically, you charge up some batteries and let it run for some uh, time. Yeah, probably battery operated. Uh, Push it along with solar some if you can. Mm, yeah, that would be um, nice. And, uh, you know, I've heard solar's just move it every better. other day. I've heard solar is much more efficient now than it used to be. Yeah. So I wonder if you could take the trailer and outfit it with enough solar panels to actually run, say, like a 50-watt transmitter. You're essentially talking about a light bulb, right? Like, yeah, I not- mean... Well, I mean, we could certainly look into what it co- what it takes to generate fifty watts yeah. from uh, from, from a solar panel. I mean, of course, you'd need, you'd, you'd more, need more than, than just that. the transmitter. Right. You need, need the equipment, all the, all the glue, the receiver, the the wireless transmitter, or whatever to yeah, receive your internet. Connection. If your transmitter is fifty watts, I'd imagine you'd be able to do it with a hundred watts. The whole the whole package. Yeah, I think yeah. you're right. I think that's probably true. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's the kind of stuff that we can do here, for instance, in New Hampshire. The more libertarians we get to. Migrate here as the three of us have done. We didn't know each other before we moved here, and right. having more people together in one geographic area makes more things possible. Um, we actually just had a couple move in here last week, and they came to our cryptocurrency meetup yesterday, and they were super excited that they got to actually spend cryptocurrency in real life. Right, because here in Keene and uh, Portsmouth, to a lesser extent, Manchester, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, in these areas in New Hampshire, we actually have real businesses that accept cryptocurrency at their point of sale, and it's a real smooth process. It's easy to do, mm-hmm. um, and they'd never done that before. Never in the in, and they're big into crypto. Like one mm-hmm. of them's a crypto programmer. He works on Zcash. And, oh, okay. Yeah, and he was super, you know, excited that this was even possible. And then not only that, that you know, they've got uh, there's a couple landlords that are cryptocurrency acceptors up here. So not only can they can they buy food and drinks with cryptocurrency, they could even pay their rent uh, with cryptocurrency. Which I mean, it's like that's amazing yeah. for people to be able to have that experience. And it's something that exists not by chance. Mm. It's it wasn't random that Keene and Portsmouth, New Hampshire, became these cryptocurrency hotspots it's because of the libertarian activists who moved here who Mm. came together into the same place and did what it took to bring those businesses on board and it was a lot of sweat selling that you know it was it took some work yeah it did it did i mean it wasn't a whole lot of work but it did take some asking it did take some follow-up it did take Mm. some training it did take some effort and uh, we're willing to put that effort in. There's more coming up here. If you want to join us, the toll-free number is 855-450-FREE-LIKE-FREEDOM. This is Free Talk Live, 855-450-3733. Coming up, the protesters in France vandalizing speed cameras. It's here early. Ron Paul, Judge Napolitano, Larkin Rose, the biggest names in the liberty movement, will be at the largest gathering of free thinkers, voluntarists, libertarians, and ANCAPs in Acapulco, Mexico, from February 14th to 19th, 2019, at Anarchapulco. You'll love the lineup of speakers discussing entrepreneurship, investments, and personal relationships for four days among the sun and beaches of a world-class resort. Go to Anarchapulco. 
anarchapolko.com and use code FTL to register and receive 15% off. anarchapolko.com, code FTL. This is Free Talk Live. You can dial in toll-free here. Our number is 855-450-FREE-LIKE-FREEDOM. That's 855-450-3733. We do have the Discord on our call-in line rooms over at discord.lrn.fm. Here in the studio tonight, it's Ian. Melanie. And Rich Paul. So as I said, uh, we got the story on the way here about the protesters, the yellow vest protesters. You've been fascinated by these people, Rich. Uh, Yeah, yeah. Well... You know, these are these are people that are going out and the police are beating them and killing them and putting their eyes out with rubber bullets and they keep coming back. So that to me is is um, I mean, you you gotta you gotta love the huevos. And, uh, you know, the other thing that I think that's inspirational to me about them is if you look at their vests, there will be other markings on the vests that they have added frequently. Mm -hmm. And these uh, are the vests they're required to have in their vehicle by the French government. Right. That's why they all have them. Right. Right. And but they'll they'll put markings on the back. I've seen them with uh, hammers and sickles. I've seen them, but I've also seen them with a lot of other symbols. And they seem to have put aside the differences between factions and come together against a common enemy. Mm-hmm. And that is something that I envy. You know, because that you level know, of organization, I'm, that level of solidarity. Exactly. I mean, I'm org- I'm one of the organizers of the uh, Yellow Vest World Awakening New Hampshire branch. Really? And yeah, I am. Um, Never heard and, of it. Well, we're out. We're out there. Um, right. Mostly, have, we exist vest? on Facebook. Uh, not yet, but uh, <laughs> Jessica has one for me. She okay. ordered a, a pack of them. Um, <laughs> right on. But, you know, the thing that scares me and one of the things that's been slowing me down is can we get out there without Antifa uh, fighting with the gun rights people or mm. you internal know, strife? Exactly. Within and yeah. that's what we what we can't have. So, you know, we I hope that we can emulate what they've done in the United States and get a lot of people out there to say, hey, this New World Order is wrong. Mm. This corporatism is wrong. We may disagree on where to go from here, but what we have now is awful. Yeah, it sure is. Um, i got to say, I'm interested to see where that goes, Rich. I'm sure you'll be updating us as, as time goes on to you know, better explain what uh, what's happening. Definitely. Uh, what was the name of the the movement you were organizer with again? Um, the page is the uh, Yellow Jackets World Awakening, um, New Hampshire branch. Yellow Jackets World Awakening. Yeah, awakening and, or awakening? Uh, awakening. Awakening. New Hampshire um, branch. Okay. Yep. And there's a whole collection of Yellow Jackets World Re- Awakening. Um, and what are groups. they work? What are they awakening to? What is the awakening about? Um, 
Well, I mean, if you listen to the French, a lot of what they're talking about is the new world order. Mm. They've got a lot to say about the banking system. One of the things that they've uh, that they've done so far is try to arrange for runs on the banks. Mm. Um, wow. They're they're very hostile to the banking interests, and that's always a good sign to me because if you start being hostile to the banking interests, it it says to me you're starting to understand where the problems are coming from mm -hmm. follow and, the money yeah follow follow the money i mean they talk about the gap between rich and poor it's not about minimum wage it's about inflation and of course uh the banks would not be as influential if it weren't for the governments of the world because they both essentially work together the governments and the banks uh, whether it be the central bank or its little banks that are connected in you know inextric inextricably from uh, the the central bank, I mean essentially every bank is backed up by the central bank, and certainly here in the United States, I'm sure it's true uh, mm. in Europe as well. So they're given the ability to essentially print money into existence, or they're given the ability to loan money into existence as well. Mm. Even the little banks are able to loan money into existence, and mm. that's an incredible power. Uh, that has been just simply given to them. And when they screw it up, they get bailed out. Yeah, sure. If if all of those foreclosed homes had been dumped at the market at on the market at the same time because the banks had allowed to go had been allowed to go naturally bankrupt, it would have been the largest redistribution mm. of wealth from rich people to poor people in history. And yeah. it wouldn't have required any government action. It would have just required letting nature take its course. And people would have gotten a hell of a deal on a house. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Right now, there are more empty homes than there are homeless people. Is that true? In yeah. the United States? In in the United yeah, States. Yeah, banks will hold houses just to keep the price of houses high. Huh. And and that's a lot of the real reason for the for the bailout is they wanted to stop the housing prices from falling long before they reached their natural level. And the natural level of housing prices would be one that kept all the houses full. It's a great point. Let's go to the phones and to the phone. We got Chris. He's on the line in the Bronx. You're on Free Talk Live watching us on YouTube. Hey, what's going on, my friend? Hey. Big time, long time. You're on the area. Go ahead. Awesome, man. Awesome. So I was listening to that thing about El Chapo, and I was wondering, did you know that his connection was actually an Israeli named Lucky Larry Silverstein, who owns the World Trade Center, and he didn't show up to work on 9-11, made $4 billion off the insurance, and claimed to pull Building 7? Okay, you're claiming, you're claiming that El Chapo's connection? What do you mean, his connection? Oh, just the connection to the conversation. And then you got Al Franken, huh? who's a Jewish senator, who said that he, in his own words, you can look it up on YouTube, got the Jew call not to show up. I don't think I really want to talk about whatever it is you're talking about there. It yeah, really I'm boring. pretty sure that was a sarcastic comment by yeah. Franken. Yeah. Um, sounds like uh, that person might be a, uh, a racist, and I got better things to do. Ain't nobody got time for that. Got better things to do than focus on some ridiculous conspiracy theory. Look, certainly there are people in positions of power who are Jewish. There are also people in positions of power who are Christians. People in positions of power who are Muslim. There's all kinds of people who seek power. Their religious viewpoint doesn't mean anything. There are also Jewish people who clean toilets for a living. Okay? Mm -hmm. So the whole idea that there's some kind of Jewish conspiracy, honestly, it seems ridiculous on its face. What there is is a conspiracy of people who seek power. There are people who mm -hmm. want to, 
you know, you mentioned it in your when we were talking about the banks. There are people who want to use their power for their own benefit, and they have all kinds of different, you know, religious belief systems. As far as I'm concerned, yeah, yeah. Yep. I liked Frank Herbert's quote: "All governments suffer from a recurring problem." That power attracts pathological personalities, mm-hmm. and that I think is what re- what is really going on. It doesn't matter what color they are or what religion they are. No. The religion is I want more power. That's their true religion. Yeah, yes. I mean, they might go to a church on a Sunday. They might masquerade as though they're a Christian or a Jew or a Muslim or whatever it is their beliefs are. Mm-hmm. Uh, they want you to believe that they are those things, but the mm-hmm. reality is. Like you're saying, they worship power, they worship money, and they worship control over uh, over other people, mm-hmm. and that makes them feel good. It makes them feel good when they can tell people what to do and have them obey it. It's yeah. sick, and you know the libertarians are people who reject that whole concept of that it's okay to use uh, violence against peaceful people. Mm-hmm. We're not okay with that idea, and that's where these you know these racists. Um, and we've had to deal with this recently with, you know, like we mentioned earlier, kicking Chris Cantwell off the show a few years ago because he became a racist. Cantwell! Because somebody who's who believes in individuals should know better. Mm-hmm. If, you've, if, you've in, if you have come to the conclusion that all that matters are what individuals do and say and not where they were born or to what, you know, who their parents were or what religious belief system or what the color of their skin is or any of these other aspects that they really didn't have any control over in their life should focus on just what they do and what they say and make your own decision, make your judgment based on that, the individual. The content of their character rather than the color of their skin. To reject that after you've already embraced it, as Cantwell Mm. purportedly has done, is just to me so mind-boggling. But it wasn't just Cantwell. There was also a lady named Amanda Bolden here in New Hampshire who rejected that. She went the she other direction. She was never an anarchist. And she was always just a Democrat. She went the other direction. She went to the left while Cantwell went to the right. There's more coming up. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. Dial toll-free and join us here. Our number is 855-453. Like freedom, that's 855-450-3733. Free Talk Live brought to you by Smart Cash. It's a peer-to-peer digital currency. It's fast, secure, and it's easy to use. Smart Cash is building a foundation that can support daily transactions for people everywhere. There's a lot of great cryptocurrencies out there in the world. Smart Cash is certainly one of them. They've got some neat things that make it unique in the world of cryptos. The Smart Hive governance model, which actually allows anybody who has Smart to cast a vote. So That's smart. Yeah, there's proposals that anybody can make. Uh, with a very small amount of smart, so it doesn't cost a lot to make the proposal to the smart community, uh, the smart hive, and then anybody with a smart, and one smart's less than two cents the last I looked, uh, was less than 1.5 cents the last time I checked. But uh, So if you got one smart, you've got one vote, meaning if you've got more than one smart, you have more than one vote. Uh, on the Smart Hive Project Treasury. There's also Smart Rewards, which is a price stabilization mechanism and a way to encourage long-term holding, which is one of the keys to the project's success. The way you earn Smart Rewards is you have to hold on to at least a 1,000 Smart, so less than 20 bucks worth of it. Uh, hold on to a 1,000 Smart at this point, and then uh, you hold it for at least a month's time and don't make any outgoing transactions from the wallet and also... Uh, you have to control the keys to that wallet. So it has to be your wallet. You can't use like an exchange account or something like that. And then if you hold it for at least a month, you're going to get smart rewards. 
And then if you hold it for another month, you'll get more smart rewards. So again, the, the, the trick is to not spend out of the account. If you spend out of the account during that month, you won't get the smart rewards. So if you've got it, you can have a smart rewards wallet uh, that you just hold, you just save basically. It's like your savings wallet. And then you should have another one that you can spend from because you don't want to spend from the one that you're, you know, you're doing your savings with. Right. Check it out over at smartcash.cc. That's smartcash.cc. Let's go to the phones to your calls and thoughts. Tom's in Hudson, New Hampshire. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Tom. In 2018, Mark Tippett ran for governor of Texas on the Libertarian ticket. Okay. His campaign website says, uh, I will not stop fighting to end the war on drugs in America. Great. Okay. Never now, heard of him, but that's great uh, news. No, no, well, that's because you live in New Hampshire. A lot of people in Texas, however, would probably ham up that taunt where, you know, they squint and look puzzled and say, who? 98% voted against him. Mm-hmm. And they can ham up that. They can go down to Herman Hospital in Houston right now and ham up that taunt and say, who? And see how much good it does to those five cops that just got shot and wounded in a drug raid in Houston, Texas. Mm. Those voters did not pull the trigger, but they pulled the lever. And it's their own fault. They voted wrong. They pretend they never heard of the Libertarian candidate, or they refused or failed to do their homework. Mm -hmm. They're going by whatever their TV spoon feeds them. They go out and bring in, they get up off the sofa during the commercial on the soap opera and bring, oh, these candidates stuff in my mailbox with all this junk and they throw it out and they, they, they go by whatever their TV spoon feeds them when the TV stations are just out to make money with something that's exciting. And the libertarian stuff is boring. So they, they, you know, they know that. Well, I don't agree. I think it's pretty. I think it's pretty uh, yeah. exciting to talk about ending but, the but, war on drugs. That's a controversial issue. Yeah, well, you know, it's like the football game gets big coverage because a lot of people will watch the football game. The chess tournament doesn't get people watching it. True. It's for people who can think. You yep, know? that's well, true. See how much good it does to stand there in the emergency room of Herman Hospital in Houston, Texas, where five, count them, five cops chose to get themselves shot and wounded. None of them are dead yet, but five of them got rushed to that hospital. And you stand there and say, who? And see how much good it does to those five cops. See, I don't want to do any good to those five cops. Those five got cops busted down the door of an innocent person and got a big hunk of lead in the face, which is what they deserve. Yeah, that's kind of what you should expect when you're doing um, a B&E. You know? You know? I mean, especially you, if you're doing a B&E in Texas. That's kind of stupid. Yeah, I mean, you do a home die. invasion, get shot. hot flying lead. Well, I get what you're saying, though, Tom. You're saying if it weren't for the war on drugs, these cops wouldn't be dead now. And so for the people who well, supposedly... They well, they're not dead. They're not dead. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought they're you said five dead. cops they're got ju- shot. They're just shot. They got they shot, shot, but they not killed. Be, they wouldn't be shot now. They um, were badly that's, shot. That's correct. And, and so, you know, <laughs> it's in the, the person missed the yes. killing shot. Yes. Uh, uh, Robert Heinlein, always beware of strong drink. It may lead you to shoot at tax collectors and miss. <laughs> <laughs> so, Tom, your point, though, is for people that do like the cops that want to see the cops survive, you're saying these cops were put in unnecessary danger because of the war on drugs and that otherwise they would because not have been in that situation. people who voted for the candidates who don't want to legalize drugs. Good point. They, they, didn't pull, they did not defend liberty with ballots. 
So the drug dealers proceeded to defend liberty as best they could with bullets. Thank you for the call tonight, Tom. I appreciate hearing from you. The toll-free number here is 855-450-FREE. Let's go to Sarah. She is in New Mexico. Sarah, you're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead. Yes. Our auto theft or auto burglary went down at the University of New Mexico this year. Uh Uh-huh. What went down? Auto thefts, burglaries. Oh, car thefts. Okay. Yeah, car thefts, they're pretty rampant here. I think we averaged about like 29 car thefts per day. That's what it was like 2017. Uh Uh-huh. So, so, and obviously the UNIM, they got their shares of cars stolen. But, so, the one, okay. So what they did was they put up more camera surveillances in the parking lot, and I guess they did other stuff too, like uh, more hire more officers, more patrol. But one of the things that I like is that they put cameras and surveillance. You know, somebody watching those cameras in the parking lot. You so, think that's what made the difference? You think having cameras in the parking lot made made the difference? But I don't. I don't know how many they had. Maybe they might. Maybe they might have had a couple, and they might have put like maybe four. Exactly. I don't know what the exact numbers were, and there were people watching them, so it, it did help reduce it. And that's my point. Mm-hmm. In some that areas, do, that will work. Probably in most areas, well, that mean, will work. My my whole point is, I like the camera surveillance for this mm-hmm. reason that we get more students enrolled in our colleges. I don't necessarily want more students enrolled in colleges, but yeah. I don't want them to get their car stolen either. Yeah, I, I don't think that whether or not the parking lot has cameras are really going to be a factor in whether or not a college student decides to enroll in a college. I mean, I, I've i never actually wanted to go to college, so I, have, I, I went to a community college. So to me, I didn't even think about whether or not uh, there were cameras in the car in the parking lot at the community college that I went to. And it wasn't exactly in the best part of Bradenton, Florida. Um, it wasn't even something that even crossed my mind. So I doubt that that's a factor here as far as whether or not young people are deciding to go to UNM or some other college. But I will give it to you, and as Melanie pointed out here, it probably is a factor in the criminals deciding to rob the cars in that part. Yeah, and m- unless you have a really... I mean, like in New Orleans, that pro- probably wouldn't help. Unless you have like a really brazen, really violent, kind of almost dominant criminal population Mm -hmm. putting cameras is going to deter theft i think in most places putting cameras is going to deter theft yeah and they uh, remember after they put the um closed circuit television cameras in uh in the uk they actually ended up finding out that it was not so much the cameras that were deterring the theft but the lights that were deterring that were deterring crime the fact that there were street lights actually did more to reduce crime than the fact that cameras might have also been present in the same place so these are some of the combinations that can make a difference and uh, i don't think there's anything wrong with putting up cameras as long as it's private property you know if it's a private property well, which a college is not no but- it's not but they do still have customers. I mean, they're yeah, not entirely. I, I will kind of treat. So, if the public, when the government is engaging as if it is a private party, mm-hmm. I will, for the most part, treat it as if it is uh, treated as if it is one. So, if the post office says you have to stand in line here, 
I'm not yeah. going to be like, well, uh-uh. I'm homesteading this part of the desk. <laughs> yeah. And I can, I mean, I can technically, in compliance with the non-aggression principle, I can do that, but it's kind of an a-hole move. Well, yeah. So if the college has a parking lot and they're like, we have cameras in our parking lot, like, okay, it wouldn't bother me if a private institution did that. So I'm not going to be particularly bothered by it if the state of New Mexico, New Mexico. Yeah. Well, because that. they still have customers, even though they're not a true market-oriented agency they still have to to some extent satisfy their customers because as we've seen here in Keene, there's a college here in town where their their numbers have been going down their, their numbers of students that have been applying there are going down and there are different reasons for that but regardless if they don't fix whatever those problems are they they're gonna have some serious funding issues uh, if they lose half their college population they've already lost a few hundred of them from what I, from what I understand uh, thank you Sarah for the call tonight. Toll free number if you want to join us in hour number three, which is next, 855-450 free. We'll talk about vandalizing a different type of cameras, speeding. Do you operate a retail business and are looking for a solution for point-of-sale cryptocurrency acceptance? It's never been easier thanks to AnyPay.Global. There's no paperwork or approval process to open an account. If you already have a tablet, you're almost done. Just sign up at AnyPay.Global, drop your personal crypto wallet addresses on the setup page, and then load the app. That's it. You're accepting cryptocurrency like Bitcoin and Dash at your store. Get started now at AnyPay.Global. AnyPay.Global. Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live. You dial toll free and join us on the radio if you want. Take control of the airwaves here. Our number 855-450-FREE. That's 855-450-3733. And the Discord on-air call-in line rooms are open and available to you. Just go to discord.lrn.fm as we kick off the third hour of this program. Ian, Melanie, and Rich in the studio tonight. Uh, Rich, I know you wanted to talk about the yellow vest protesters and i've actually had a news story about them in my show prep for a couple of weeks now and we just haven't had a chance to get around to it a lot of the stuff that i want to talk about we just never get a chance to get to it because you know we'll take your calls about anything you want to discuss in fact we're going to the phones next but it looks like the protesters in france have been busily destroying the speeding cameras of france not all heroes wear capes some of them wear, wear vests. vests yeah indeed so we'll uh, we'll get into that coming up here but let's go first to paul he's on the line in texas watching us online on youtube go ahead paul hey how you guys doing good what's on your mind tonight good nothing i wanted to talk about the yellow vest as well yep. um well you got you guys were you had a caller's call calling in about uh israel and 9 11 and uh my wife's actually uh we've been married for two years and she's jewish and the crazy thing about it is uh she's actually been going to her local synagogue and uh she's been inspiring other jews to read a book called uh the protocols of the elders of Zion, because and I've heard know, of this. This is an this isn't this an anti-Jewish uh, screed? No, she's Jewish. She she's Jewish. That's what you're missing out. Like, there's a lot of Jews that are speaking up about this because uh, the facts are, uh, you know, she's got relatives in France, and a lot of people in the media aren't covering it. But uh, th- there's actually Jews that uh, this yellow vest protests. Uh, this this comes down to Jewish banking, and she's got relatives. Why? Did, are, uh, wait a minute. Are, why how does it, Jewish banking differ from Christian banking? 
Well, he, here's the here's the deal. Listen, she's a Jewish woman, okay? You keep saying that I over and over looking, again as though it's going to make it okay, whatever mm-hmm. the next thing is that comes out of your mouth. I'm married to her, all right? My, I'm invested is what I'm saying. Okay, but you didn't answer the question. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the fractional reserve banking, it's it's all – if you look at all the uh, CEOs, uh, Janet Yellen. All uh, of the CEOs, uh, huh? Greenspan. A Greenspan. They don't have no, CEOs, no, no, but okay. No. Okay, well, Banks Yellen the, the, was the actually the chairman of the Federal Reserve. Banks, but are you making the distinction I, what, between Zionism and Judaism? Well, here's the deal. If we talk about Zionism, Zionism just goes down to Israel. There's there's a Marxist Jews which she opposes. She's a there's Marxist Jews that oppose Zionism. The commies. Mm. You know what I mean? Those mm. guys aren't for Israel. There's Chabad Lubavitch. Do you know that sect of Judaism, or do you guys just uh, unaware? Yeah, I don't pay any attention to uh, all of the details of world religions because, for the most part, it's immaterial to my life. I'm telling you, I'm telling you for my wife, she's been protesting against the synagogues because Mm -hmm. the rabbis, after the circumcision, they have a thing called a moil where they put their mouths on the baby's penises after circumcision, and it's legal. And now babies are getting herpes and they're dying, okay? So if you want to make this a laughing matter or call people anti-Semitic for Jews that are actually sticking up against... Nobody uh, has called uh, anybody anti-Semitic on this well, show. You called, your other, you called your other people, the other people that called in and talked about facts about 9-11, you hung up on them, called them conspiracy theorists. And I have a Jewish wife, and she's doing the damn All same right. thing. Well, I don't and know. you're calling out people. Yeah. You're, calling you're really out- kind of, you're getting a little shrill there, dude. You know, we tried to have a conversation with you, and you didn't want to answer the question. Because, Rich, you asked a good question about what's the difference between so-called Jewish bankers and Christian bankers? And the Mm. fact is, banks are run by people who are of different religious viewpoints. Um, Definitely true. Um, Now, there is, I mean... Zionism is a different matter. There are also Christian Zionists and Jewish Zionists, and there are also Christian anti-Zionists and uh, and Jewish anti-Zionists. Mm-hmm. You know, um, there there are a lot of Jews who don't hold with Israel and the things that Israel um, that Israel does. I've actually had somebody pushing me. Uh, and somebody that I respect to read the Protocols of the Elders of Zion, and I haven't done it yet. The last um, time that book I was mentioned, will. Uh, the last time that book was mentioned, it was mentioned by somebody who we used to call Scott the Bigot, who used to call into this show on a regular, fairly regular basis with some pretty despicable viewpoints, and he used to be a big fan of that particular and book. And now he's just Scott, uh, I think. Well, okay, as he as he become not a bigot or? he did seem to renounce toward the end of his calling career of free talk yeah, and i haven't heard from him since. he hasn't called since then yeah um that caller did drop off the line i was going to bring him back i just had to put him on hold because he just wouldn't stop talking yeah, and so one of the annoying mm. things is kind of making bad arguments for good conclusions Fractional reserve banking is horrible and it should be ended. Right. But to blame it on Jewish people is ridiculous. But if you're going to say fractional reserve banking and Zionism and some secret book and like, so now you're making bad arguments that you can't even back up. Yeah. So you're making the premise seem ridiculous. Like the CIA doesn't need to hire anybody because you're doing it for them. Like you know, fight against yeah. fractional reserve banking. Yeah. If I could just... Make every essential banker on earth 
be instantly located in the middle of the sun, I would. <laughs> mm. I don't care what religion, what religion or race is. they are. Yeah. Yeah, it's just this... And I think it's more about what race they are, but I I don't I don't care. <laughs> yeah. Well, well I, I don't know if it's if it's uh race or or religion or or what. I mean, there's just as far as I know, there's nothing in the Torah that says anything about fra- fractional reserve banking. Yeah, yeah, the well the Old Testament at least kind of forbids to some extent loaning Misery. As yeah. a concept, mm-hmm. so banking, yeah. I think, would be prohibited by that, yeah. banking well, as we know it. Actually, one of the ironic things that I learned while I was reading uh, The Merchant of uh, of Venice by Shakespeare is uh, the character Shylock was a Jew, and he was also a usurer or a, or a moneylender. Um, well, the reason that he was a moneylender is in Italy at that time, there were only a few professions that Jews were allowed to enter into, and one of them was banking because Christianity forbade, forbade at that time, Christianity mm-hmm. also forbade but not anymore. lending money at interest. Mm-hmm. So it was like, okay, let's make the Jews do it because it's, it's embarrassing to them because it's against their religion too, mm. basically. Um, and then, you know, people get upset that the Jews ended up with power in banking. Well, maybe you should have thought about that 400 years ago. Um, you know, these people, like the last couple of callers, are just, they're just so boring. I mean, the idea is just the same old concept over and over again. Jews this, Jews that, Jews over here, Jews over there. It's all a conspiracy, and it's just as paranoid as all the other conspiracy theorists out there. It's just they've picked their bad guy, and they've made it this particular religion. Yeah, well, it's like calling the the CIA uh, a white conspiracy. Yeah, And it's like, well, I mean, most of the guys running the CIA Are were white, white. Certainly all of the guys running the CIA in 1930 were mm-hmm. white. So it's a white male conspiracy. Uh, yeah, but, uh, you know, it doesn't necessarily, uh, you know, and I'm certainly not in on the joke. Right. You know, CIA will just as happily come after me as anybody else. Let's go to Paul, or excuse me, not Paul, uh, Rudy in Arizona listening to K-Talks. Go ahead, Rudy. Hey, gentlemen. Hey. Uh, the CIA wasn't around in 1930. They came in in 1947, but that's not what I called. That's uh, true. OSS yeah. back in the day. Uh, the, the guy, that, the guy that was talking about the protocols of the Elders of Zion. Yeah. 1922. It was proven to be a, a forgery. It's counterfeit. Really. It was put together. It's, it, there's a whole big history to it. But mm. I've read that thing, and oh my God, you talk about it, it's uh, insane. Every every uh, anti-Semitic you could possibly believe is in there. Yeah. It's just pathetic. But it is. It is. False. It's not true. But uh, mm. I'll tell you one thing. Henry Ford loved it. He imported 30,000 copies of it. You know, he was Who did? Henry Ford, he said. Oh, yeah. yeah. Henry yeah. Ford was uh, was a well-known anti-Semite. Rudy, thanks for clearing that up. I don't know if you had more You're you welcome. wanted to say, but if you did, you can hang on and we can bring him back. If not, no problem. Thank you for the thank you for the call tonight. Uh, you can bring up anything that you want here. Our number is 855-450-FREE. That's 855-450-3733. We've also got the Discord on-air call-in line rooms over at discord.lrn.fm. You can join us there as well. Bring up what you want on Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live. You dial in toll-free, take control of the airwaves, and bring up anything that you want. Our number is 
450 free. That's 855-450-3733. Bitcoin.com. It's your premier source for everything Bitcoin related. You want to choose a Bitcoin wallet? Buy Bitcoin? They can also show you where you can spend your Bitcoin over at Bitcoin.com. Plus, read the latest news or engage with the community on the Bitcoin forum. Just go to Bitcoin.com. And there's also a great Bitcoin Academy that'll show you the basics of Bitcoin. If you're brand new to it, it's a great place to go. And if you're not brand new, if you're old school and you want to get the latest news and such, also, it's all there at Bitcoin.com. Once again, Bitcoin.com. Let's go to the phones to the fun. Greg in New York. Greg, you're on Free Talk Live, listening online. Go ahead. Hey, hey. hey. It's funny, I called in about money velocity. <clears throat> that's closely related to uh, fractional reserve banking. Mm-hmm. So that's just apropos. By the way, um, the, elders, the Protocols of the Elders of Zion is based on an earlier book. Uh, it's kind of a ripoff of apparently Joe Lee's Dialogue in Hell about Napoleon III. Hmm. So if you go to Wikipedia and you look it up, Pretty much word for word, kind of a knockoff. Of the it. plagiarism, almost. Yeah, and I don't think Napoleon the Third was Jewish, so I think it. Uh, but it was an interesting uh, book, and the the effects I think were felt uh, sort of in Nazi Germany, uh, or pre-Nazi Germany. And I think uh, if that book hadn't come out, uh, perhaps meant against Jews might have been different. Hmm. So who knows? Tell me what money velocity um, is, and why you want to talk about it. Sure. So money velocity is essentially how fast money is going in one direction. Um, You can think of it as, let's say, a new product comes out, like a new cryptocurrency. right? So people are just going to, rushing to buy it. So the money velocity is positive. And then as people rush to sell it, the money velocity is negative. And if you add up all that money velocity, the integral is the kind of the you know, the, how much it's worth total at any given time. Okay. So the reason that's important is because you can have two different systems. You could have a market price system or deterministic prices, which have don't rely on bidders and sellers at all. Okay, so, so like right now... Well, those the, wouldn't be prices. Those would just be random numbers that I attach to products. Well, yeah, tell me more about that because uh, with cryptocurrency... You brought up cryptocurrency as an example, but obviously we can use other things as an example. But I'm, I'm familiar with crypto markets where you do have bidders um, and sellers, people who want to buy and sell whatever crypto we're talking about. And whatever the price is in the moment is what the last sale was, basically, uh, of that of that product. So how is a deter- what is a de- deterministic price in comparison then? Exactly. So the spot price is the latest price where the market cleared and the buyer found the seller at that mm-hmm. price. Um, what happens with determ- – there's probably different ways to do a deterministic price, but a fair deterministic price would be if you had, let's say – okay, let's say you had an economy where you had gold, Okay. And every time you wanted to deposit money in a bank, you would have to take the gold from one bank to the other and deposit the money in whatever bank it is. Okay? So now, instead of banks, let's say we've got projects, you know, different communities, whatever. So what if everyone in the bank, let's say it was full reserve, the bank had a bunch of notes. So the fair price would be if everyone was able to cash out at the exact same time, whatever the whatever how much gold they can get is 
essentially the price of that bank's currency. But if you have full reserve, time. if you have full reserve banking, which I would argue isn't banking, but if you have full reserves, you have like there's there's an amount of gold that you have at that bank. Like no matter how many, you, if no matter if you're the only person that goes to the bank to make a withdrawal, or every single person on the planet goes to that bank to make a withdrawal. That doesn't change how much gold you as an individual have deposited in that bank. So that there's exactly. no price. To, like right. there's no price. It's just like You're hold, you have an bank. ounce of gold yeah. regardless of what anybody else has or doesn't have. They're not denominating your bank account or that they're not denominating your gold in dollars. They're denominating it in the weight of the gold or however much gold you have. Right. If you have ba- no, exactly. gold in a bank. Exactly. So I think that's like um, that's what Ron Paul would call sound money. There's exactly as much gold as there is uh, money, uh, you know, liabilities circulating. Well, ideally, I mean, of course, we know that there's some theories that in the world of uh, banks and gold and gold supplies, that there are papers out there representing gold that doesn't actually exist on deposit. So that's one of the problems is when these people... Well, that's not a theory. Like, they're pretty open about the fact that they do fractional reserves. Even with gold? I didn't know they were um, open about that. I thought they were just being fraudulent in that case. I think oh, you talk about I think what most people don't know currency? is that it's widely believed that most or all of the gold in Fort Knox has actually been lent to uh, short solar sellers and sold um, a long time ago, which would mean that a there's no gold in Fort Knox. And B, all of the short sellers are bankrupt because the price of gold yeah, has but, gone up significantly since then, there, so it's not coming back. There are places that I don't know that they're open, say, in their marketing, but which is kind of why you should not necessarily buy storable commodities on an exchange. They have exchanges that sell, quote, gold that run at fractional reserves. Mm-hmm. If you were to read all of your paperwork, you would know that. And if you were to understand what fractional reserve banking is, you would know that. I don't think that they necessarily put that on the front page of their website. Okay. Yeah, well, even the Chicago so- Commodities Exchange, when I worked for Citibank, I was trying to get uh, physical delivery of silver from the Chicago Commodities Exchange. Mm-hmm. And it just was... It's something that in theory you can do, but no broker I talked to was able to tell me how to actually get a hunk of gold delivered. Well, with no physical delivery, there's nothing to keep the exchange honest. So that would be equivalent to fractional reserve where they're making up numbers that kind of mirror gold prices, but they're, just selling they're not really paper. gold prices because they're not selling any gold. Right, they're selling you a piece of paper yeah, saying... They're, they're basically fraudulent notes, gold. which is what U.S. currency and all country currency that I'm aware of is. Right, that's true. Mm-hmm. Greg? Well, yeah, we kind of got into the weeds. I think one guy, by the way, had oil or some kind of, um, I forgot, he had to take delivery of it, and he stored it in his basement. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's very dangerous because, uh, I forgot what it was, but it wafted up to his room, and it's Ooh. very dangerous to store. I well, yeah, I mean, was, just so. yeah, having giant yeah, bags of oil is, is much dangerous. Than petroleum gold and silver <laughs> is a little bit easier to store. <laughs> right. Yeah. Less fall, reactive. Significantly less reactive. Yeah, big chunks of it, you don't want to hit you in the head, though. That could be bad. That's yeah. true. No, that I, will react. I just wanted to... I wanted to submit this economic system to you guys and see what you think of it. Um, imagine you've got the banks with the gold, 
and the banks are able to issue as many uh, notes as they want, okay? Kind of like, let's say they do universal basic income and they give people, like, load it up on their wallets, right, every day. So they dilute the currency. But if, let's say, the network knows that right away, and each coin is proportionately less, so if they... Well, it's not proportionately less if they're just... Issuing it whenever they want. Hang on, Greg. I want you to explain this again. Coming up here in a moment, we'll uh, we'll continue with Greg. He's got an idea. He wants our opinion. It's economic. Uh, you're welcome to weigh in as well. The toll-free number is 855-450-FREE. Like Freedom, this is Free Talk Live. You want to know the 37 items you must have to survive a crisis? Then I've got some good news for you. Former CIA officer and New York Times bestselling author, Jason Hansen is now giving listeners a free copy of his book, The Escape Bag Blueprint, 37 Items You Must Have to Survive a Crisis. You can claim your copy at freeescapebook.com. Don't delay. Jason reveals the guns, knives, flashlights, and water filters that could save your life in an economic collapse or grid-down event. Get your free book today, freeescapebook.com. freeescapebook.com. It's Free Talk Live. Dial in, toll free, bring up anything that you want. Our number here is 855-450-FREE, like freedom. 855-450-3733. We've got the Discord on-air call-in-line rooms over at discord.lrn.fm. You can join us in there, and then you'll sound almost like you're sitting here in the studio with us. Coming up, the yellow vests vandalize 60%. Apparently, of France's speed cameras, which is a that's a huge uh, success for destroying government oppression tools. We'll uh, continue and get into that coming up here in moments. But we still have Greg on the line in New York. Greg, you were running some sort of economic proposal by us, and we had to run right into that break there. So, can you kind of re restart that explanation? Yeah, sure. So let's say you've got a system where you've got a bunch of communities or banks, right? And each one is backed by an amount of gold. Whenever you want to move money from one community to the other, you take your paper money, you get the gold, and you physically move the gold from one to the other, right? And then you get paper money in the other one. So that's the system. And everything's above board. And one day the bank says, the community says, okay, we are going to give everyone an extra $1 paper money every day. And it becomes that they have a UBI system that redistributes, kind of dilutes everyone. A UBI, uh, universal that's basic... That's not a UBI, that's a stock split. Universal basic income is what you're talking about? Yeah, universal basic income, where it's like a stock split, but it gives everyone the same amount every day. So for oh, example, okay. So no matter how, if I have a hundred gold and you have two hundred gold, we both get one more. Of yeah. These, okay. Exactly. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So it's a it's a mechanism by which you kind of combat inequality by sort of diluting everybody down to, you know, by some amount. How does and that combat that inequality? I mean, that- well, let's actually take one step back from that. Uh, I. If you look even at the people around the the tables, we we've all pursued different goals. We've put various amounts of effort into pursuing those goals, and we've met with various levels of success. So our outcomes have been different, unequal. Now, if everybody is pursuing different goals and everybody gets the same thing, 
then that's equality of outcome, but it doesn't seem like a good thing because not everybody wanted the same right. thing and not everybody was willing to work for the same thing. So this is somewhere when in between. It's closer to the inequality. You take the inequality, it's like a flat tax. It's exactly as if you would have a flat tax and then redistribute the money collected everybody equal. Well, it's not a flat tax, though, because if... A, so, first of all, I don't know why anyone would ever put their money in this bank if the bank is <laughs> announcing, I'm going to steal your money later on. Well, wait. What they're doing but, is... Uh, maybe I misunderstood this before you go on, Melanie. He's saying they would be giving a dollar of bank money because the, the bank is issuing right, its own currency. Reim- that you can right. reimburse or withdraw your gold. But it would also... Wouldn't that also essentially devalue the gold that's on the you know that's on deposit i mean essentially well, it if you're devalue getting, the gold it would make you insolvent. it would devalue it the paper too. against the gold the paper money right okay right. it would devalue the paper money and let's say but right, if you're giving it equally to everybody then e- everybody gets the same amount of value p- pro rata you're giving it equally mm. per capita he said what do you mean i thought so it was if each I have gets 100 gold and you have a million gold right. they issue us both one more paper right Mm-hmm. Exactly. So you're getting exactly. screwed. What it does mm-hmm. is, let's say everyone spends five dollars a day to eat. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so what happens is that the community might say, "Listen, I'm tired of these homeless people begging for food. I'm just going to give every homeless person a card. Okay, and that card's going to have five dollars a day, and that's it." Now, and would this now be a voluntary program, or would everybody be forced yeah. to participate in it? It's voluntary if you have a choice of accepting that form of money or not. So if you're a vendor or merchant, it's like Visa. It's voluntary. You don't have to accept Visa, and you mm-hmm. don't have to accept this bank's money. Yeah, and if, if, if not everybody is being forced to open an account at this particular bank, then I don't see what the, the problem is. I mean, as long as you know when you go in there that your money is going to be redistributed by the bank – in this particular scheme. Yeah, so when you describe it as an economic system, that infers to me that it's not voluntary, but if that's not what you meant by that, then then that's fine and I'll reassess it. So the problem with this yeah, is, is that nobody's going to do that. Like if somebody wants to donate money to homeless people, then they can just donate money to homeless people. They don't have to go through this weird variation on a bank that dilutes their own notes because they can to to do that, like well, the, there's the no reason to put that, give them gold. I, yeah, but the point of that is to automate. Uh, instead of relying on charity, you automate and prioritize exactly those things, and it's above board. You know, okay, everyone's getting diluted by one percent a year or whatever. And but if it, okay, but but if it's per capita time. and not per rata, then everybody is not getting diluted by the same percent. No, literally they are, because uh, if you issue, what I'm trying to say is that the price of the bank's money is deterministic. It's the amount of gold divided by the number of circulating uh, notes. Right, so if I I have more gold than somebody else, we're getting diluted by different percentages. Yeah, Mm -hmm. so basically you're being awarded the same amount by the uh, UBI, but you're having a different amount taken from you, and and obviously I, I don't mean stolen because you've consented, consented. to this. I just don't know why. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but you're having unequal amounts taken taken from you. So 
basically it makes sense to open an account with this bank if you have nothing, but you but have you anything, have you're going to want to keep it somewhere else. Well, yeah, it's the, that's what counteracts the uh, inequality. So let's say you've got three people. One has $50, another has $500, and another one has a million dollars, right? Mm-hmm. So when you issue $1 to the guy who's 50, he's grown by quite a lot. If you issue $1 to the million-dollar guy, he grew by, by far less. Mm-hmm. But each person can spend money on, on food, that $1, yeah, so it just recognizes that. I don't know if you've actually run the ma- any math examples on this. The people at the top aren't actually growing; they're they're shrinking. Mm. Like it's coming from somewhere. They're growing in number of dollars possessed, but shrinking in amount of gold they can claim. So the actual value mm. they're losing. Well, of course, the the people at the top are taxed uh, equal. It's a flat tax. That's redistributed to each. Person. Well, it's, it's not it's a, a flat, flat tax, tax, though. It's a, it's if you want to call it a tax at all, it's a tax on the people at the top and a benefit to the people at the bottom. So my it's question is like, why way, would right? anyone do? Yeah, that's technically progressive. Yeah, because mm. if you have negative yeah. tax rates, you still have a progressive. Why would system. anyone do a progressive tax? I mean, well, no. Why would anyone? Why would anyone to... go into this bank? Why would anyone do that? Because what this bank represents is automated. Taking care of people's needs, so people. Okay, but he's saying it's a better system. He's pitching it as why would you give it to a bank? Well, he's saying it's a better system. He believes than just giving to a charity. He's saying the bank could handle it better. um, This UBI concept that he has, he thinks that's better than, let's say, you know, whatever homeless charity might uh, exist in the area or the Salvation Army. Is that what you're saying? Exactly, and I'd say even more than that. I'd say that um, uh, automated network cryptocurrency could do it even better than a bank because it won't have any corruption well yeah i mean if you could uh, if you could cut out the middleman of a system like that and if people want to voluntarily do that then it makes sense but it does seem to go against the idea of a bank which is generally to help people store their wealth and increase it in theory uh, over time that's why people use yeah. banks yeah, i mean if somebody if people if people know what's going on and, and it is in fact voluntary then it's not fraudulent so therefore like the banking system yeah. is but Nobody is going to do this, and if they do, it's going to lead to horrible, horrible results because you're taking resources at a steady rate from productive people and giving it to the least productive the people possible. Yeah, and without any kind of oversight, right? Because with a charity, and thank you, Greg, for the call tonight. I appreciate hearing from you. With mm-hmm. charities, when they hand out money to people, they want to follow up. They want to have somebody, you know, make sure that that, that yeah, family is using it. Yeah, at least some level of like, why do you need this money? Right. Here, it's just, here's a card. Yeah, if I'm spending it because I'm spending it on heroin, I still have the least money, so I get the most payout. It's Free Talk Live. It's another edition of the Edgington Post Show coming from the North American Bitcoin Conference. Mark Edge here for Free Talk Live with Ben Swan. Gotta be the biggest name in the Liberty Movement. Oh, well, that's kind of you, Mark. Good to see you. And your your hair is incredible. I'm, I'm sure people aren't looking at it right now, you know, but... Wow, I hope uh, that this. Uh, I hope I hope to trim some of the blue off here in the near future. But I had to dye it because, uh, well, we reached the funding goal for yeah. the orphanage in Uganda, and I'm excited to do that. And I don't have thirty six thousand dollar hair, but I made a thirty six thousand dollar goal. So there you there, go. I'm I was going to say, and for, and for that for that purpose, absolutely Ab- dye it all. Eyebrows too. Right, dye, dye anything. The, the curtains, the drapes, the whole deal. I don't care. I was going to go there, but then I decided not to. <laughs> 
your speech, you just got off the stage here at the North American Bitcoin yes. Conference. And, um, you know, a headliner, big t- it's, a, it's a right the biggest day, the biggest time. And one of the things that you s- were talking about was Facebook's infiltration into local media. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, let, let this blow your minds, kids. So Facebook, <clears throat> which... You know, a lot of journalists would say has destroyed media in a lot of ways. You know, they've given platforms to a lot of independent media. Sure. And then they've taken those platforms away. Yeah, whenever they feel like it. But they've also done something to traditional media, which was a few years ago they did this publisher's deal. I don't know if you remember this. Okay. And basically what Facebook would do is say instead of posting links on our site, yep. local stations and, and post media groups to the site. post it with the site in a special category. Yep. And that way people never leave Facebook. The yep. problem was publishers couldn't make any money. And so a lot of publishers felt that this killed their business. Right. So now Facebook has decided, well, they're going to right their wrongs in the past, and they're committing $300 million. That's a lot of jack. All right. That's a lot. To local TV stations and to local media. Okay. They say they're doing this for a couple of reasons. They say it's because, you know, local communities are so important and local Mm. media has their finger on the pulse. Give me a break. Yeah. Local media is some of the worst media out there. (laughs) I mean, let's be honest. I worked in local media most of my career. Right. Right. Most... Local reporters are not very good at what they do. Well, they're, uh, many times they're, they're talking heads and they're told to go a certain place. And let's not forget the consultant's role in this one either. The consultants destroyed the business. They really did. Yeah. I mean, nobody even gets to see these guys. But they're the ones that are out there um, that, that are saying, you know what we need? We need more live shots. So some, some dope yes. can come along and go, ever in the bee. Yeah, right? Yeah. And, you know, yeah. right? And all this other nonsense. That's exactly I mean, right. you know, are you telling me I couldn't record this shot two minutes ahead of this, mm-hmm. send it to the, uh, the production room? And that would have been just as well, good. And we used to have this argument all the time, right? Why are we live in a dark parking lot with no one around? Well, because people <laughs> love live. No, and, and, and don't. Consultants, and you're absolutely right. When you say consultants, consultants have, have obliterated the local broadcasting business and yep. local journalism. They've obliterated it. And one of the ways they've done that is they have dumbed everything down to the lowest common denominator. Sure. To the point where just, nothing makes sense. Um, it's all lizard brain. Oh, absolutely. Fear, joy. Yes. Oh, isn't that cute? I mean, everything. Yes. It's like the most if it basic bleeds, emotion. It leads. It's crazy. Right? It's the concept that says, you know, car crashes, house fires, mug shots. That's all people. And, and, it's, and it's not true. But now you have a situation where Facebook wants to come along and fix it by training journalists. Really? Facebook is going to train journalists on, <laughs> on how to cover local news? Facebook doesn't produce content i mean you know like one of the things out there is the biggest content producer in the world doesn't produce content That's or right. whatever biggest media company in the world doesn't produce content and i mean you know what's facebook going to teach me right <laughs> facebook can't teach you anything but what they can do is they can partner with local stations yeah to create branded content they say okay. oh branded content well branded content which we call in the business franchising yeah right so these franchises that we'll be creating are these going to be hard-hitting investigative no 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 they're, they're going to be again stay with the same thing of, of dumbing things down, but it gives Facebook a, a, a stunning, phenomenal reach into journalism that they did not have before. Whereas Facebook might have influenced the way journalism was done in order to get views, now Facebook will influence how journalism is done because of their pocketbook and the money that they're pouring into it. They're essentially a huge advertiser, is what they become. They become a massive shareholder. That's what they are, yeah. 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 And so it's the same way, you know, when, when people will talk about Big Pharma, Big Pharma's effect on uh, national, national news, right? If you turn on any 
national TV station, Fox, CNN, MSNBC. Right. What do you see all day long? The you pharma see ads. Pharma with the, ads. And then some side effects may include death, uh, projectile <laughs> vomiting, and, and shooting uh, flatulence at, uh, at, a, at a million miles an hour, right? Like, it could be anything. could be anything. <laughs> and, 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 it's, and, and why am I doing this? Oh, because you have an itch. <laughs> <laughs> and so they're selling this to you as big pharma. But because of that, they're also buying influence over that national media who's never going to criticize them. They're never going to do exposés on them because they're one of your biggest advertisers. So as soon as the advertiser now exerts that kind of editorial control, that's essentially what Facebook is doing in local TV. I wonder if that means that then um, – so local advertisers definitely use Facebook to some success. There's yes. no doubt. I wonder if that means that Facebook will now become more you know, regionalized in the sense that local advertisers will have more effect or whether uh, the whole nation again will, be, will experience a further homogenization with national brands being shoved down further into the local level. I don't know. I don't know what that go. will look like. And, and, and I'm not even sure Facebook knows what it will look like. I do know that one of the things they've talked about is developing relationships between between local advertisers and these media companies, okay. essentially meaning when they say local, though, who are they talking about? There are only about you know a half dozen to a, to a dozen um, local media conglomerates left. So, so those are all being consolidated. You know, when last year when Sinclair was trying to buy Sinclair's Tribune, the big uh, TV owner in America, really right, largest largest station group in America, um, and they were attempting to buy. Tribune, which would have further solidified, I think it had them in 75% of U.S. households. Um, at that point, there was a lot of outrage. Oh, my gosh, they're so big. There was only outrage, though, because they're viewed as being conservative or, or Trump-backing. Sure. Yeah. Whereas this has happened for It would have gone the other decades. way, too, if it had been liberal. I mean, it wouldn't right. make a difference. Yeah. Absolutely. They, 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 uh, you, what you've seen, though, is station group after station group continues to grow. Cox Communications, which owns 14 of the largest TV stations in the country, is putting them up for bid to sell them to another station group because they say the only way to make money in this business anymore is to have these massive station groups. Because what they're really doing is they get into these big groups and then they're bringing in national advertisers and saying, no, yeah. our market isn't this one market of Miami. Our market is, you know, 300 markets across the country. One of the tricks for that is is that they've got network ad buys. So network ad buys is these uh, companies that insert themselves as middlemen, sometimes two or three of them into um, getting ads. So the buyer goes out there and then deals with a network buyer and who deals with the, then you know one of the smaller groups that does a network and these kinds of things. Free Talk Live's been in on this. It's I have no idea what Home Depot paid to be on the air on Free Talk Live, but I know that I got between 2 and $10 per 60-second ad. Which is nothing to jump right. change. I mean, I don't, you know, I can I can sell that myself. I don't need right. uh, I don't need y'all, uh, you know, requiring all kinds of paperwork and stuff for me. And there, then at some point or another, then the, the rules on content come down too. Yes. Now you got to do this. You got to say that in in all those sorts of things. The people who have the checkbooks always want to tell you always. what to do. Always. And that's the way it goes. I think that this is um, this news, frankly, is uh, some of the scariest stuff um, on the horizon. Now, I don't know that we don't already have a scary horizon. Sure. I have no idea how much scarier <laughs> or less scary that this could be. But it's not. I, I wouldn't call this. Ju- I'm not jubilant over right, this. Exactly. <laughs> well, and I think I think it's just it's more and more dystopian, right? It, it, this it, six months ago, if we had talked about this happening, um, I don't think anyone would be would be surprised by it. Yeah. Six months from now. Or a year from now, when it's in place, I think it will only be the further consolidation and decay of an already distrusted news media in America. Right. It, it's, it's as if news media is trying to kill itself. It's suicidal. 
Yeah, so TV, um, so I think about radio when you talk about this stuff, too, at the same time. Radio has its own distribution platform in the form of the tower, and it goes straight to the car, whereas TV long since has been usurped by the cable company. That's right. Um, the, TV, uh, the TV station in my local town, Sarasota, Florida, was WWSB Channel 40, yep. but they changed their number to 7, which is what they were on the cable box. Right. And, that I mean, it shows where their branding's at. Their branding's sure. on the cable. So now they're controlled by... Cox and or whomever it is, I don't know, Time Warner, whichever is, is being distributed in that local area. And so you see this further consolidation, and that's going to mean the message then gets, you know, further squeezed into what's acceptable amount that people are going to hear, and that's what's scary. Well, sure, and, and the other crazy thing is we, we have still have in place, as you said, everything's on cable. We still have in place all of the broadcasting licenses associated with... Yeah. The, the spectrum and the broadcast spectrum that exists. And yet no one's broadcasting anymore. Right. I mean, the, the broadcast is all cell phones. That's what's being broadcast. The FCC tells television stations what they can say, but television stations are almost never picked up through their broadcast Almost channel. not at all. Right. I mean, it's, it's probably fewer than 1% of the time. Right. And that's that's an interesting platform. I don't even know what I think as a TV station owner. Right now, you and I could open up our own TV station, and if we could get put if we up could on, get a license, yeah. We, but I don't know if you need a license to be on cable, though. No, no, on cable you don't. You're right. right. So we just get distribution through cable, and right. it doesn't even matter. Which which is also a dying setup as well, right? It's very difficult to get onto those anymore. Ben Swan, uh, tell people where you they can find all your content because it's great content. Thank Some you. of the best well, content on the internet. Facebook, Twitter, just search Ben Swan, B E N S W A N N. We're all over the place. I'm trying to grow my Instagram right now. So if you're on Instagram, go and like my stuff there because we're we're trying to do some strategies there for content that's working out pretty well. So check it out. Ben Swan, thank you. Some of you asked, and now we've delivered. LRN.FM's live Keen New Hampshire studio shows are now streamed in HD on Twitch. Visit our channel at twitch.lrn.fm and give it a follow. If you have Amazon Prime, you get one free subscription on Twitch. If you use it on our channel, Twitch will give LRN.FM a monthly piece of your Prime subscription cost. So please watch, follow, share, and subscribe to twitch.lrn.fm. That's twitch.lrn.fm.